Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh, the horn is going. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men play against and make his ass quit. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, I don't want to start us off on a tangent or anything, but um, I just want you to know that I really like pork barbecue. I like the pulled pork and the ribs and the brisket and the chops, pork nachos. I mean, bacon all by itself is proof of a higher being. The pork bellies, just all kinds of pork food stuffs. I don't know. Just thought I'd share that. Um, Speaking of which, what did you think of the game on Saturday? Man, I like me some pork as well. And, um, you know, this this kind of was a little bit reminiscent of last year. Uh, you know, last year it was 41 to, you know, we put 41 points on them in the first half last year. We put 41 points on them this year just in a different way. Um, but I will say that, you know, this is how far this program has come because we talk about, you know, enjoying games where we can build depth and we can play backups and and we can talk about it on the next podcast. But normally that's against like a Western Carolina that comes up in a month, right? But we were able to do this against Arkansas. Now, you know, unfortunately for Arkansas fans, that's that's frustrating for them. But the fact that this team could play as many players as they did and still win in such a convincing factor is just another reason that it's just great to be an Alabama fan. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, the depth that this team has was was truly demonstrated, you know, dur- during the game as, a, as it sort of unfolded. And it, and it was sort of unique. Like you said, it was 41 points at half. And early in the third, Alabama started rot- rotating in uh, a lot of a lot of backups and went to, you know, Talia, third string quarterback and the backup offensive line. And you saw Keelan run the ball, a lot of switch over on, you know, defense as well. And what was sort of layered in, and it's almost sort of swept under the rug because the, because with the way we were bringing in backups, you, you didn't really notice it, but you know, we had a couple of guys that, that, that either missed the game or were out early. And then we had some guys that, that came out a little bit later and it was so satisfying. Um, this game in general was was really satisfying to, to to watch. I think it was the best half of football we played all season. 
But in terms of the depth, to your point, you know, we have players like Najee goes down with, you know, an ankle. He's going to be okay. Smitty, he actually has a sling. He has a bruised shoulder, but he's going to be back. Uh, Evan Neal had a little bit of a groin. He started the game, had a little bit of a groin, a couple uh, pull, a couple plays in, you know, could have kept playing. Uh, it's the type of situation where uh, Saban would continue to play those those players in the past, but he immediately came out and Ekior came in. Uh, Landon Dickerson got sort of dinged on the knee. Uh, we immediately took him out. Um, you know, Jared Maiden had a little bit of a groin, certainly could have played, but he sat the game out. Uh, Shy Carter at one point gets a ding and and he steps out. Ali Keho uh, broke his hand. But he got it bandaged, and and he came, you know, he came back for special teams. And so what we saw there is, you know, two things that were really satisfying. We've talked about, you know, call it the evolution of of Saban. And so these, you know, it, he he sort of relaxed his grind, grind, grind mentality. And it's not that the players don't work hard, but he doesn't grind them, you know, to a pulp. And so these are players that probably would have played in the past, especially before a buy. And he said, no, let's go ahead and take them out. We've got the depth. We have the reserves that can compete at, at this level, especially against this team. Let's give them uh, less reps on the body, get them into the bye week a little bit earlier. And so the fact that 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 Saban himself made that decision and that we had the depth to support it, very satisfying, very satisfying. Oh, yeah, and, and, and against a, you know opponent like this. I mean, this is an SEC West opponent, right? Right. And so, and and then, and to your point, you couldn't have scripted it better that, especially that interception by Diggs right there at the end of the half uh, was so critical, which we'll talk yep. about on defense, because I'm sorry, 41 to nothing allows, like you couldn't have scripted it better for him uh, due to these guys getting banged up as the game progressed, because you are up. And, you know, then he was able to bring Mac Jones in to start the second half. He was able to let Mac Jones have a series. Mac Jones was able to have a successful 40-yard touchdown pass, you know, to to score there. And kind of like he would have done with Tua. I mean, I thought it was great, like, you know, you bring Tua back in to start the second half in a game like that. He, you know, let's let's keep the momentum and, and carry over from the first half and then pull him out. Well, guess what? Mac Jones, I mean, for the fans, they probably saw this on the telecast, but this is the first time in the Saban era that a backup quarterback has ever had to start in 12 years with Saban since 2007. He's never had a backup quarterback get a start due to the first quarterback being injured. Right. And yet, not only did we see that, but we saw the third string quarterback play Every you know, play every snap in the second half except that opening drive. So that that's just amazing to me. Well, it is, and and you know, we could probably go back and look, and I don't remember a backup quarterback. Um, and and I'll discount the early days with with uh, McCarron and you know Philip Sims, where they were kind of going back and forth. But when there's you know truly the established starter, uh, I've never seen the starter come out that early in the third. I bet, you know, you said it was 41 to nothing last year, uh, 41 to, to nothing or, or maybe not nothing, but it was, you know, Alabama had scored 41 points in the first half last year against Arkansas and 41 points against this, uh, you know, this year. I'm going to bet that Tua played more than one possession 
last year. We don't have to look it up, but I, I bet that Matt came out of the game ahead of when Tua came out of the game last year. Oh, absolutely. And I want you to talk about Miller Forstall real quick as we were talking about injuries, because obviously Miller uh, fielded the kickoff, the short kickoff to start the second half. Um, and, you know, during the game, you said it, it, it didn't seem apparent that he got injured on that play. Uh, but I want you to talk about that because you were just rattling off so many uh, so many players that that either missed or didn't play. Um, but talk about that now that you saw an update, you know, here today on that. Yeah, you know, Monday uh, Monday evening there there was an update that Miller Forstall is going to be out for several weeks. Um, <clears throat> he was not mentioned in sort of the litany of players uh, that either didn't play or were taken out of the game in the post game. I, I stayed in the stadium and, and watched Saban's post game, and he ran through a, a, a lot of players. Uh, Miller not being one of them, uh, watching the game live, I, there was no, you know, he wasn't carted off, he wasn't helped off, he went. I didn't see him limp off. Uh, he was just, you know, just out of the game. And like you said, we played so many backups that it sort of – I didn't miss that he didn't play much in the, in the second half because, you know, a lot of the starters didn't play in the second half. So it sort of, sort of masked it. But, uh, you know, he, he does now, you know, have an injury. He is going to miss a couple, of, a couple of weeks, several weeks, I think is the indication. Uh, and that's, you know, and I want to go back and talk about some of the, some of the other players, but, you know, Miller is a, is a guy that gives us something at the, at the tight end position and you can look at his stats and you can look at his numbers and they're going to tell you one story, but you can also look at, you know, I think he scored the first touchdown, you know, of the season and, you know, uh, you know, he's played, you know, a role and you can certainly look at the number of snaps that, that he's had and the versatility uh, of things that, that he's done. He's been a blocker. Uh, you know, he's gone out for passes, at, you know, he's blocked for the block well for the run, you know, for the passing game. So the role that he plays is is bigger than the numbers that he puts up. And he's a player that uh, it's a good thing we have a bye. We're going to have a chance to sort of prep for, you know, him him being gone. But Miller Forstall is a, guy, is, is a player that we're going to miss and he's not going to make any headlines and nobody's really going to talk about, you know, this tight end guy. But uh, Miller Forstall is a guy that Alabama is going to miss with him being out in some of these big upcoming games. Oh, absolutely. And I think the guy that's going to miss him the most is going to be Najee Harris because, yes. you know, uh, Miller was critical uh, in the two touchdowns, you know, that, that Najee had in this ball game, and, 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 and the versatility of just lining up at, you know, all over the field, you know, in the slot to the right and the left and, and you know um, – on the line formation, in the H-back formation, um, you know, in motion before several plays. Um, he's asked to do a lot of things. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that materializes in two weeks. Um, right. I, I want to m- quickly mention Najee Harris again because you and I talked about that on the first play of that uh, opening drive that, that Mac was in in the second half, you know, Najee started off the game – excuse me, started off the second half – um, with a nice 11 yard carry uh, on first and 10. And then he didn't come back in the game. And Brian Robinson right. proceeded to play for the next quarter or so. Well, I bring that up because that was an 11 yard carry, which basically put him uh, at 13 carries for 86 yards on the day. And you know how he's been getting about 20 carries a game, and Brian's getting about 10, right? The two headed monster, which is Saban. And so. I want to get your take on this because that would have been his third 100-yard game in a row. 
It would have been his fourth hundred yard game this season out of six, you know, excuse me, fourth hundred yard game in the last six ball games. Um, and so obviously, you know, the prior two games he had had 20 carries and 21 carries. Uh, and so here he was actually, you know, running at a 6.6 yard clip. But you talk about Saban and him relaxing some of this. I also wanted your opinion is some of this with some of these players, Saban not losing sight of the fact that my cast of characters surrounding Mac Jones against an LSU needs to be as healthy as they can be to carry the load for Mac Jones because Tua's not going to, in my opinion, you know, be, uh, you know, we talked about this, right? I don't think he's going to be 100%. I don't think he's going to be 80%. I think he's going to be 52%, 58% or whatever. But talk about very quickly, do you think some of this uh, bringing these guys out has also a lot to do with the fact that Tua is, you know, where Tua is? Yeah, I, you know, I think we want some of these guys to be healthy irrespective of of the quarterback, right? And so, you know, you want to get Najee to 100 and you say, oh, he could have come back in. Ah, let's give him a couple more carries. But if if he dings the ankle a, a little bit more, it's just you know the risk reward uh, isn't there. I think had had he not you know sort of dinged the ankle, I think he probably would have gotten another two three carries. I think he would have gotten up you know 100, 104, 105 yards, and then we would have sat him you know sat him at that point. He's sitting there you know he's had a good day. He just finished a you know a nice twelve yard run. He's got a little bit of a, a something. Let's just ice him down. Let's just you know let's preserve him. And I think we're gonna we're gonna want we're gonna need Najee at full strength, irrespective of who the quarterback is. Uh, but you're right. If Mac is in there against LSU, then we're gonna need to lean on the running game a, a little bit heavier. And so you know, again, it's the risk reward. Let's get him out. Let's give B Rob a couple more carries. I mean, it would have been you know they were 13-13 on carries. It would have been. 16 and 10 carries, right? And still would have probably gotten the 26 carries, but it would have, you know, a, a handful of those would have gone to Najee instead of B-Rob and, and you know, Rob's numbers would have been, you know, closer to 50 and, and Najee would have been over 100. And, you know, you look at them from a distance and they're, they would have not been that different than they are. But with the backstory around Najee's ankle, you know, let's get them out. Let's get them, you know, at, not at risk, out of harm's way, if you will. Sure. And just real quick on Landon Dickerson, because you mentioned him as well, you know, that doesn't hurt for Chris Owens, right? To get some run, right? To to get back in there and get some run. Uh and it, it just due to no, just due no, to no. what's progressed for Chris, right? Chris needs to get back right. and and get lathered up and 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 having him, you know, get some more reps was not a bad thing. Evan Neal's backup getting some reps is not a bad thing. And so um you know, all that was great. And you talked, you know, for the listeners, you talked about all the tight ends you saw in the game. Well, you know, maybe that had something to do with Miller as well, right? Maybe they were having a little bit of an audition and simulating a game situation to say, Miller can't run against LSU. So which of these, you know, two or three uh, tight ends that we bring in, you know, next man up. Maybe there was an audition for the starting tight end role, you know, in certain situations against LSU unfolding for you in the second half there. No, I think that's fair. I think you know the, the visible depth is is really sort of the the, the expression that that I think of, uh, and we can talk about this in you know defense as well. But uh, you know, along the offensive front, we definitely saw visible depth when when Evan Neal went out very early on. 
you know, Ekior came in, and again, if you didn't if you didn't know the linemen and the numbers and what you were you what you were looking for, you know, you wouldn't have noticed from from the play. Uh, we scored forty one points, and I know some of that was defensive, but I think the first drive. Uh, Neil went out, and it, it was still kind of when you're settling into the game, and didn't even notice that that he had come in and gone out. Uh, it happened, you know, that quickly. And then, you know, coming out of half, they announced that you know player uh, 85 is 84 is going to wear you know number 79. I was like, well, wait a second, that's Chris Owens. What does that mean? Are we just giving him some run back at center? Is you know landing out? And so when the starting line came back out. With Owens in there, um, you know, he started looking for Landon on the sidelines, and he was, you know, dressed, not hobbling, you know, had his helmet, looked like he could go back in. But again, hey, we've got the depth. Why not use it in a game that we can afford to use it? And so I thought, you know, I thought that made a lot of sense. And then at tight end, we played seven. It it almost became a game when I started, you know, counting the, you know, the tight ends, you know, Forrestall and Tennyson. And we played seven tight ends in the game. And we saw the both, you know, uh, Rudolph and Owens, the converted linemen. You know, Jaleel Billingsley, number 19, a uh, true freshman, came in. He's only played in uh, in a couple of games. Uh, Cameron Latou, the former defensive end, uh, moved over. And he played, uh, moved over earlier in the season, number 81 at tight end. He, you know, and when you start seeing 19 and 81 in at tight end, you realize, hey, we're going deep down the roster. And uh, former walk walk on uh, Giles Amos uh, got some run more as an H back sort of fullback type, uh, you know. But we talked about you know would Ali Keho change his number so that he could play fullback in the offense, and we didn't do that. We just whatever sort of reps that we had that we wanted for an H back or fullback type, we just gave them to Giles Amos. And so I just thought the versatility uh, and and certainly the depth that we demonstrated at that position. Good lord, Tommy. There's been seasons we haven't we didn't have seven tight ends. Oh, sure. And Billingsley very quickly jumps out at me because we are past the four-game mark and he's a true freshman. So don't you find of all the ones that's very interesting that you're using a, well, with all those tight ends, you're using that red shirt? You're blowing that red well, shirt? The ru- yeah, the rule's a little different this year. It's not four games into the season. It's four games for an individual player across the season. And so oh, that's right. So therefore, played, I got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's and then that's different, right? It used to be that point in the season, and so this is a little bit of interpretation uh, difference. And so I haven't looked out at his participation chart, and you know sometimes youngsters can sneak into special teams in a you know in a in a punt block formation or run or uh, kick block formation, and so he may have sneaked in some more reps, and maybe I've noticed. I don't think so. No. So no. That's still covered. Yeah. Well, that's all good there, you know. Given given that situation, so give me uh, any uh, anything else on offense before we do mini game balls. You know, I just want to I, I just want to give the shout out to, to Mac Jones, and, and we've talked about him, uh, but uh, you know he was eighteen of twenty two. I know some of those were little short passes, sort of getting him warmed up, but uh, you know he threw for two thirty two thirty five. You know, three touchdowns. He led Alabama, and so I, here's a couple stats that I saw about Mac Jones that just, again, just it was a satisfying performance. But he led eight drives, seven of which were scoring drives, five of those were touchdowns. And, Tommy, Mac Jones becomes only the second Alabama quarterback in, in uh, history to score, uh, to throw for three touchdowns in his debut start. And he is—he uh, shares rarefied air with that with uh, Joe Namath. 
It is Joe Namath and Mac Jones. That is awesome. Now, for the listeners, real quick, okay, we do not do this show in the same room. We are actually many miles away from each other when we do this show. But I know this guy pretty well, okay? And I was just about to go Mac Jones, and I was like, you know what? I guarantee you my boy Dave has done some extra homework for the listeners on Mac Jones. And so I just pitched a nice softball the old way they played (laughs) softball. Not fast softball, but the old way I played softball. I just pitched him a nice, lobbed him a nice big ball there for hitting him and hit it out of the park. Dude, I swear I knew you were going that route. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. All right, give me give me your uh give me your mini game ball. You're not gonna well, take mine, so I'm I, good. I've got two guys circled. I've got two guys circled and I, I and I hope I, I I name one and I hope you name the other and 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 we've already kind of talked about both of them. Um I'm probably gonna go uh it's a toss up. I'm probably gonna go Chris Owens. Uh the fact that he came in, uh he played two different numbers, eighty five and seventy nine, uh two different, very different positions. And the fact that uh, he was able just to uh, you know switch laundry and, and come in and play at center and uh, acquitted himself very well uh, at the position in the second half um, that is a I don't know I'm sure it's happened before but I don't recall that ever happening uh, a player not just playing two positions like that but changing numbers and everything sort of the the big deal of that of that shift and coming in and and, and playing well like that we've talked about you know guys being ready to play before. That if someone blows a shoe and we don't have to call a timeout because the next guy's so ready to go, uh, and man, we've had we've had decades where you know someone loses a shoe, that's going to cost us a timeout, and we've given many game balls for that before. And so the fact that Chris Owens was able to come in, change laundry, and and play a whole, uh, an entirely different position, uh, I'm going mini game ball, Chris Owens. All right, so your homework assignment for the listeners is to research, if you can, if that's been done under the Saban era, right? Because that probably has not been. That'll be for the next show kind of deal Um, because that is impressive. So my mini game ball in the true spirit of the mini game ball, since Chris Uh, Owens was the starter, is Giles Amos. Um, So you you highlighted, you know, Westfield High School graduate out of Perry, Georgia, uh, is a senior this year. And – Obviously, just for him to be able to get some some key opportunities, you know, due to next man up, you know, in this ball game, and and be able to you know be a lead blocker in the fullback position in a goal line formation at his six foot four, two hundred and forty five pounds, um, I think he acquitted himself well, and uh, just happy for him and his family to you know this might end up being his his biggest moment of his Alabama career, so just real happy for him. Yeah, absolutely. Number 40, Giles. And it was almost like a, a little bit of a commitment device there that Alabama had. You know, hey, we're not, you know, uh, you know, Ali Kehoe has played the tight the fullback position, and we're not going to change his number. So if we get into a situation where we have to play a fullback H-back type, it's going to have to be Giles Amos. And so it's almost like we didn't leave ourselves room to maneuver. It was going to have to be the former walk-on. And, you know, certainly he came in and quitted himself well. So that was good to see. Absolutely. All right, flip the field for defense. Uh, we already kind of started talking about, you know, Diggs's play. Uh, do you want to start there, or what else would you like to touch on for the listeners? Well, you know, just kind of playing from a theme on, you know, visible depth. Uh, I think we saw visible depth in, in the secondary as well. Uh, a little bit at linebacker, a little bit uh, across the D front, but, uh, but more so in the secondary. 
And so because, and again, it's the Rubik's cube of the second secondary when we play the nickel and then, you know, move to the dime, uh, because Jared Maiden didn't play and he's been, he's been the, uh, the, the dime back or the nickel back rather because Maiden didn't play Jordan battle stepped into that safety position and Jordan battle number nine has been playing the dime back, but with Maiden out Jordan battle, uh, came in, played the full game at, at that safety position. And then when we did go to a dime and we played, you know, a good amount of dime, we brought in Daniel Wright, you know, number three. And then at another point in the game, later in the game, Shy Carter went out. And then so we just sort of flipped the, the Rubik's Cube uh, a little bit. We took Patrick Sertain from the corner spot, moved him to the, uh, to the star position, where Shaw had been playing, and then brought in Josh Job, who's who's missed some time this the last couple of weeks with injury. Brought him in at the corner uh, the corner position, and so Tommy, we've talked about you know having six, seven, eight, nine guys available in in the secondary, and here's a prime example: we played eight guys in the secondary with the quote unquote starting unit. Um, because at that point we were still we were still you know playing starters in the secondary, and we played more later. But we played we played eight guys in and think about you know eight guys in a traditional four player secondary, and then you go nickel and dime from there. I I thought again visible depth, and it was the kind of thing if you weren't watching the players, if you weren't watching the numbers and the players, and you sort of knew you wouldn't know because no one. And again, it's Arkansas; they suck like a straw, but but. You wouldn't have known because of the the level of performance out there, and I thought that was pretty darn impressive. No, that is impressive, and uh, I like your straw comment, listeners. You will not get that anywhere else. Um, you know, you when you talk about the depth, what's interesting is Arkansas had eight possessions in the first half, and we, you know, obviously we have we have depth if she's on the defensive line, right? Where guys like LeBron Ray are still banged up, right? But on their eight drives in the first half, they had four punts, three interceptions, one return for a touchdown, and a fumble. So they had three picks, a fumble, and four punts on eight opportunities in the first half with all this moving parts you're talking about. So going yep. back to you, you know, you talk about simulating game situations, and we forgot to mention the Tolua thing at fourth and goal, which yep. we'll touch on in just a second. But, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, for Job and for battle. I mean, this was huge for battle. Huge for battle. And it was yes. and it was and it was huge for Daniel Wright. Right? I mean, I mean, this was I mean, you know, they they, they don't they get tired of beating up on each other in practice. And once the season starts, you know the you know the the contact is 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 more reduced kind of deal. And so simulating this scrimmage situation with, with these uh players and so the fact that you had the Job and the Wright and the battle, um, and oh, by the way, your two starting cornerbacks get to have an interception in the game, right? So Sertain and you know, uh, Diggs get a pick as well. I mean, man, that couldn't have gone better for, 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 for the coaches have to – Saban just when he was watching that film, he just had to be just grinning because this yeah. bodes well for them as they go forward big time. Yes. It really does. It really does. Um, I want to I want to talk real quick about Christian Harris because I said last okay. week that he had had his best game of his career. Well, he's now had his best game of his career. So for two weeks in a row, he has had he has, he has upped his game 
and had even a better uh, game this week than he did last week. And there was a couple plays specifically where we talk about the game slowing down and we talk about you can play faster. Obviously, this kid brings a ton of athleticism to the field because of what he played, you know, what position he played in the back of the defense in high school. But, dude, we are watching um, – we are watching this unfold before our eyes, and dude's comfortable now. And he made a couple sideline to sideline plays that we said Shane Lee, Shane Lee is just built differently, where he just mm-hmm. got the guy at the line of scrimmage, dude, and he just flew. He just identified the play and just, oh my gosh. I mean, I'm just so thrilled. Obviously, I wish a Dylan Moses, you know, obviously was there to sure. have helped him along the way, but. Seeing how Christian Harris has played in the past two weeks bodes well for Alabama versus LSU. I'll say it that way. No, I think it does. I think that that he, you know, just what you said, he continues to progress. Uh, it's it's telling that the last couple of weeks were you know consecutively, you know his best two performances. That means that he's on a, tra- a trajectory in the direction that that we want him to go. Uh, coming off of that, you know with with a buy and more time, more film time, more study time. Um, and again, the way the season sort of unfolds, uh, that sets up well for him against LSU. Uh, you know, Shane Lee, I thought acquitted himself as well. Again, he's, he's more of an in the box middle linebacker, but he finished with six, six tackles, uh, a sack, two uh, tackles for loss. So I thought, I thought he was really disruptive. And what was interesting and, and, you know, Markel Benton, now he got, you know, he got hit in coverage a couple times, and I think Arkansas did the right thing, try to attack our linebackers, and we'll we'll see more of that. But, again, talking about, you know, and I'll use sort of the cliched expression at this point about, you know, manufacturing depth and using players situationally. But uh, we talked about when we went to Dime, you know, we saw Daniel Wright come in versus, you know, Battle coming in historically. But when we would go to Dime, you could watch three players come in. Uh, we'd see Wright come in, number three. We'd see Christian uh, Barmore, number 58, uh, across the defensive front, and we'd see Markel Benton come in at the linebacker position. And, Tommy, this is that is a um, a significant – now, you know, you'd, we'd always bring in another uh, defensive back. That's what a dime is. And so battle versus right, I get it. But what we didn't used to see is Markel Benton, 36, come in at linebacker. It was, you know, early in the season it was Shane Lee sticking in there. And we didn't necessarily see uh, Christian Barmore come in as part of the unit. We might see him later in games, but he is part of it. He is a – we talked about Saban has 17 or 18 starters, right, based on formations and alignments and, and personnel groupings. And Markel Benton and Christian uh, Barmore are officially starters in the dime position. And so it was kind of neat to see them come in like a ho- hockey line. You knew that immediately you didn't have to look for a single player. You could look for any of three and know that we were going to a dime. And I like that because that means those guys are preparing for that. They have a smaller sort of thing list of things that they're preparing for. And it takes plays off of some of the other defensive linemen, and it takes plays and responsibilities off of Shane Lee's plate as well. Well, it takes, um, it takes them off of Shane Lee and Christian Harris, okay? Yes. And for the listeners that have been watching for, you know, listening for a long time, you know, remember the terminology of rabbit rusher, right? Yep. That was a job. You were a rabbit rusher. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Markel Benton 
got to learn a good lesson on third and seven at the start of the game when he did not get uh, when he did not cover Raheem Boyd out of the backfield and they got 22 yards and got to the 50 for a first down. Okay, to your point. And so mm-hmm. what's key about that is that you know Chad Morris is a good coach. And I think he's going to do good things with Arkansas. And so kudos to Morris because we talked last week about Benton playing in the third down situation. And I guarantee you that that was not lost on uh, Markel Benton's play in that game last week was not lost on Chad Morris. Chad Morris had that in one of his scripted plays to start the game, and it worked. And it got him to the 50-yard line. There, There is no mistake that on third and seven, that's why that quarterback went where he went with that ball. So that's just that's right. what's fun about football, right? That's just what's fun about X's and O's, right? And so um, – and Benton got to learn from that. But not only is Benton having to work on that one situation, but to your point about Shane Lee and Christian Harris, and this is why I'm enjoying watching these two kids, they bring 600 pounds to the middle of that defense, Okay, Shane Lee checks in at uh, six foot two forty six. Christian Harris is two hundred and forty four pounds. So they bring mm-hmm. six hundred pounds of beef to that middle. Well, guess what? They don't make them like Christian Harris very much. Okay, take nothing away from Dylan Moses, but sure. the way that boy can run at two hundred and forty four pounds, it has been fun to watch in the past two weeks because Absolutely. you you can you can lay some wood when you can freaking run like that at two hundred and forty four pounds. So to your point, as the game progresses against LSU, if we can bring them out on third down and bring in Benton and they can sit there and get some water and get some oxygen, man, that's going to be great. Awesome. It is. And it, and it makes them more effective on the other plays, that, which which is the critical sort of unspoken part, right? Um, well, it's that get off the field, right? It's, it's that get off the field that right. Saban has, you know, when his teams have had success in years past, it's is it's the fact that teams against him are like you know nineteen percent on third downs. Yeah. All right. What what else jumped out at you on anything on the defensive line? We've talked about the DBs. Um, you know, obviously Anthony Jennings had a great pick. Uh, this guy is just really stepping up his game. We talked about his versatility and what he's getting moved around to do. Uh, just really happy for his pick. Um, any anybody else you want to kind of talk about on the defensive side of the ball? I think Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings, the fact that they're both – I think this defense is peaking at the right time. And we talk about the secondary. We talk about depth across the uh, the defensive front. We talk about Markel Benton and, and the linebackers. But but the tip of the spear of, of this defense peaking is a healthy Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings lined up at the defensive ends that they become not just defensive ends, they become weapons. They become offensive weapons on defense. Um, and and when they start to play the way that they are, the way that they have been, you know, Terrell Lewis, uh, you know, between the three of them, between the two of them, they had, you know, three pass deflections, which is pretty darn impressive. Uh, Terrell Lewis had six quarterback hurries, didn't get him a sack, but, I mean, he was, he was affecting the quarterback all day long. Uh, one of those hurries led to – uh, or contributed to the big interception that uh, Trayvon had. Um, you know, the corners are playing really well. This defense is trending and I think peaking at, at the right time. Last year, I think maybe it peaked too early. I think it's peaking at the right time. And, and Tommy, another just a stat that you just go wow to, um, this defense uh, recorded four turnovers. 
only allowed three first down, three third down uh, conversions. No, that is awesome. And I just counted there were 16 guys that registered on the stat sheet on the defensive side of the ball. So obviously we, we ran more than that, but 16 guys registered. And very quickly, you talked about pass deflections and you talked about Lewis and Jennings. You know, just for the listeners, Terrell Lewis finished fourth on the stat sheet. And you're like, oh, he had, you know, he had three solo tackles. Well, he had six of the team's eight quarterback hurries. Yes. Six. So yep. Saban talks about affecting the quarterback. Are you kidding me? Six quarterback hurries in one freaking game? That's ridiculous. Yep. Yep. All right. What else? What else before we do mini game balls? No, go mini game ball. Man, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do this just because I just love the story. Um, and so we've already talked about him, but just Christian Barmore. Um, you know, once again, you're at the best, you know, one of the top programs in the country. Um, you know, you know the guys you got in front of you, the Terrell Lewises and the Anthony Jennings and the and the Raquan Davises, who, you know, you know has come back for his senior year, et cetera, and and blah, blah, blah. But guess what? You know, I can play ball too. And and I'm gonna start off in mop up duty, but I'm gonna work my way into the rotation. And so not to we don't need to touch on it a whole lot, but just I'm just really happy for the kid. I mean, it's just a feel-good story. And uh, dude's playing away from home, a Philly kid, you know, playing all this way down here and just really excited for the kid. No, I, th- I think you're right. And it's it's definitely one of those situations where he, he has earned every bit of it. I mean, it, you know, early in the season, he didn't play a lot and would get sort of garbage time reps. And and again, we've sort of seen through, through Saban's, you know, progression through his career that you kind of stay where you are, where you're slotted through fall camp, through spring, you know, going into the season, we might try to figure things out the first couple of weeks. But from that point, you kind of stay where you are uh, unless there's an injury. And there hasn't been, uh, I guess, LeBron Ray, you know, maybe maybe there has been some injury. But, but you know, Barmore really even plays a different position. And so the fact that that he is getting – reps and 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 again earning the starting position at the at the dime package that is wholly attributed to his to his contribution and you know his effort in practice and and uh and so truly a hats off to uh to Barmore with without question um I'm gonna go mini game ball um and he I know that he had a quiet day but the fact that he was the eighth defensive back and 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 played and acquitted himself well and I've always had a soft spot a soft spot for Daniel Wright uh I'm going Daniel Wright um I mean Tommy anytime that you can go eight deep in the secondary with the starters and and not feel it well something like that can turn the switch for him because he has a lot of athleticism whenever we saw him flash last year you know he'd be 20 yards off the line of scrimmage and making a play at the line of scrimmage and so you know, we're going to need this guy next year. Xavier McKinney's going to be gone. Diggs is going to be gone. Carter's going to be gone. I mean, you know, this could bode well. You know, Maiden's going to be gone. This could bode well for him going forward. All right. All right. So start start me off with uh, with uh, special teams here. Um, what what's your um, you know what what's your what's your diagnosis of the special teams performances in this game? You know, limited as they were. Yeah, I, I mean, there were some things to like, and there were some things to get really, really frustrated by. 
Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to jump in. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I guess we'll jump I, off. I, you, you're not going to talk about rugs. You're not going to talk about rugs giving up the free yards. I thought that's where you'd go with this to start. Okay. Oh, I've got okay. that down. Right. I thought that things. was be where you had to go with this, man. No, where I'm the 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 first place I go uh, with my frustration with special teams is um, is is poor Ben Davis lining up offsides, um, giving Arkansas a first down uh, when they were punting. And that that led to uh, Arkansas scoring their touchdown. And so I don't want to say they scored the touchdown because of Ben Davis because there were a handful of defensive plays, but they darn sure wouldn't have kept the ball when they did to move the ball down the field. And so that is frustrating. You know, it's the old, you know, you had one job and you had one job on punt coverage to line up right. And um, that is pretty darn frustrating. Now, well, this is a close I'm- second. And and, that, and no, no, you're right. I I, no, I'm, ahead, I, I have to I have to defer to you. You were right because it was fourth and three at the Arkansas twenty-two. So that is significant, right? Because that 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 opportunity was like it wasn't you know it wasn't in you know they had not progressed forty yards at that point. So that does have to trump. So uh, that that obviously was was a huge situation. So go ahead and talk about rugs. Well, rugs was frustrating because. Arkansas had been doing sort of clumsy things with their kick uh, return, you know, run it, you know, catching it, you know, fair catching it, or not even fair catching it, but uh, there were a couple of times where they sort of caught it near out of bounds or or they would try to run out and, and not get back to the, you know, the 25. And so we we're kind of, you know, a couple of us were kind of sort of laughing at, at Arkansas making sort of dumb decisions in their return game. And right about the time we get a good laugh on, uh, Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, steps out of bounds at the five, and it's like, well, I guess we can't laugh anymore because we just did something equally as egregious as as what they've been doing, and that's frustrating. And Ruggs should, you know, certainly know better. Let the ball go, and we'll get it at the thirty-five, or you know, if it, you know, or you know, at least at the twenty-five. There's no reason in the world with the rules. Look, here's this: with the rules the way they are right now, there is zero reason in the world that you should field a kickoff or that, that after a kickoff, you're starting at the five-yard line. There's no reason. For never that. happen. Right. Should never happen. It should never happen. Well, I will say, you know, you are correct, but interesting about that is now they're starting off the, you know, where they are. And I thought in that situation on second and four at the 12, he lets Tolua complete a pass for a first down. And then a few plays later, it's third and six at the 21. And, dude, talk about this for a second. It's third and six at the 21 since we didn't talk about Tolua earlier. And he lets him complete a pass for a first down there. Dude, our backup quarterback at that point would hand the ball off, in my opinion, right? right. Would hand the ball off. So, so two key situations there, especially this third and six at the 21, you, you let him drop back to pass. And then, and then at the end of the game, it's fourth and goal at the five, and you let him drop back to pass. So just give the listeners what you told me earlier about. I mean, there's three times on that last drive that they let they put him in a interesting simulation, you know, situation. No, I think you're right. I think with with you know Talia a little bit, the coaches know what they have. This guy's good, and he can throw the ball. Uh, you know, he he's got you know sort of a lot of moxie. He's new to the program, and so he hasn't taken over. You know. 
the the number two spot ahead of Mac Jones. But you know what you've got there. He's not, you know, a traditional third string quarterback. And so there's a little bit of that. And then there's a little bit of, hey, we can simulate stuff in in scrimmage or in practice only to a point. The pressure of being in the stadium, being in the third down, being backed up to the goal line, you know, being at the cusp of the goal line on on fourth down, we can say that out loud in practice, and and you know, it sort of is what it is. But it's something else to do it for real in the stadium against live fire, a live opponent, and the, and those are circumstances that even in a even in a game, you may not get that opportunity a whole lot. And so the fact that, you know, Saban said, let's give them a shot because we don't know what we're going to have or what we're going to need at the position over the balance of the season. This game is wrapped up. Uh, So let's treat this as a glorified scrimmage. And again, that is something we wouldn't have seen from Saban five years ago. Well, and that's that's, you know, the changes to the rule that you just mentioned. Right. We were talking about Billingsley. Right. By them having this rule that you can play four games, look what it allowed them to do with him, which under the old rules, you could have never done that, which is interesting kind of deal. Um, And so I I, um, give me uh, what else on what special teams are you are you are you are you proud of of Bulovus two of two? I mean, the the long was only 31. He, He didn't miss an extra point. Um, you know, they, they, they counted this correctly this week on the stat sheet. So what's your thought on Bulova? Well, I think, I, I mean, you have to be, you have to be pleased. Um, and you know, not to sort of take any shine off of it, but I think we sort of know what he is. And I think, you know, there's a line that we think that we can probably feel okay about him lining up to kick. It's much closer to the goal line than we want it to be. Um, but I, you know, if he, he's developing some consistency in in sort of a range, and that's something, right? I mean, let's at least know what the floor is so we can build up from there, and 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 maybe we're establishing that, and so that's certainly good. Uh, and then at the punting, I thought Todd Pirine uh, he had two more punts. Um, again, sort of the knock, you know, back when talking about Skyler and and other guys on the roster. You know, the storyline is they're all inconsistent, and Skyler was the least of the inconsistent. Well, what we've seen, sort of knock on wood, is Skyler actually became consistent at kicking short, and Piran is becoming consistent at, at kicking long. And so, and he actually kicked better this week than, than last week. There weren't quite the, the sky kicks, but they netted more yards. And so he had two for an average of 47.5. And just an interesting sort of nugget that uh, stat nugget. Of of his four kicks, of Piran's four kicks, three of them are the longest punts recorded by anyone on the current roster. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That is great, man. You got to bring that out earlier in the show next time, man. That's good stuff. Well, I will say, I will say on Ty's first punt, due to what they're allowed, you know, we talk about seizure opportunity, right? It was fourth and seven at the twenty. We talk about flipping the flipping the field. That was a 49-yarder. It was down at the 31. So we went from the line of scrimmage of the 20 to the Arkansas 31, right? Okay. On the next opportunity, we're at the 39 of Alabama on his 46-yard punt. It gets down at the Arkansas 15. 
So as you talk about this defense starting to come on, okay, and you just you just kind of you, you you threw out that forty-seven yard average, which we need to be jumping up and down about, right? I mean, I'm sorry, we need to be yeah. jumping up and down about that average over the past, you know, uh, season of of you know the last twelve or fifteen games. We we haven't seen that kind of number, and so if the defense is starting to come on, and we got a punter who's flipping the field like that, man, that's going to really bode well in you know what could be a a closer game against LSU coming up in two weeks. I without question, and you get up forty-seven, you know, point five. You start touching, you know, that type of number. That that's J.K. Scott territory. And so let me tell you a P. Ryan story. Um, uh, so at halftime, you know, after halftime, and it was a longer halftime because it was homecoming, and they had to do all the sort of the pageantry stuff. And so coming out of halftime, I think they, I think the the players get a couple more minutes of warm-up time uh, because of all of that. And so, they're, you know, you see the players, you know, warming up and and sort of closer to the sideline where we're sitting, uh, you know, Piron's kicking. So I'm just watching him a little bit. And and he's he's launching some, you know, some nice balls. And so they start, you know, especially the, the warm-up session starts to, you can tell that it's over. And, and Piron, you see him just hold up his finger like, I want one more. And um, – and so the manager, whatever, sort of, you know, you know the fake the snap to him <clears throat> in the air from from toe, you know, from toe tap to ball hitting the ground in the air, 60 yards. Wow. And then there, there's in, there's zero hyperbole in that because where he kicked, he was lined up. And, you know, on the on I can't remember exactly what the yard marker was, but, he, you know, where he tapped the where he kicked the ball foot to leather was on a line marker and where the ball landed just miraculously was on a line marker. It was amazing. 60 yards in the air. That was that was impressive. And, and again, it's the kind of thing we haven't we haven't seen out of that position in, in quite a while. And so hopefully Reichert's going to come back and he's going to help us with the kickoffs. Um, although Bullivis did a little better with kickoffs, you know, if we consistently get the kickoffs in the end zone, we're able to hit long kicks, long field goals. I mean, I don't mind if we have a short field goal kicker and a long field goal kicker and a kicker. I don't, I don't mind if we have, you know, if we splice it out that way, but let's understand everyone sort of has their role, knows their role. And I think we need somebody who's capable of the long kicks Reichert looks like he was trending in that direction. I think we need to get him back. I like what we see out of P. Ryan um, and, you know, both of us sort of knock on wood. Uh, hopefully, hopefully some of that can start to come together, but flipping the field, that is huge. Um, you know, not to, not to pound on this again, but, you know, like you said, flipping the field, you know, we're at the 20, you know, if we throw a 30 yard stink bomb out there, then, then, you know, Arkansas or LSU or name an opponent is really primed to in in really good field position. You know, you get it up closer to 45 to 50, and then they're back over the 50, back into the, you know, the the 30s, you truly have flipped the field. And that's that's what we need out of out of that position. Oh, absolutely. Cause as we flip the page to LSU, right? I mean, this is not going to be a 41 to nothing game at halftime. And so, you know, right. we that this is going to be a situation where there's going to be some three and outs or some, you know, six plays and out or whatever. And, and yep. Um, yep. we're, we're going to have to be able to pin them deep 
and uh, and put the pressure and use our home field advantage to you know to put the pressure on them. So do we want to do we want to go ahead and and chat about this or you know with the with the buy coming do we want to do we want to you know carry this conversation forward and 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 do it later or do you want to go ahead and just and just chat for a couple minutes about LSU? Well, I think I think just the. I, I'm almost going to get bored with all of the pregame uh, because the, just the just the sort of hyperventilation uh, is already you know in full effect, and it's going to be you know probably this week all the pundits are going to say one team's going to win, and and then they'll get bored with that, and everyone will have to hot take, uh, and then next week you know everyone will you know predict that the other team's going to win, and so I think it's going to be that kind of sort of back and forth. Um, I think we need to concentrate on winning the bye week. You know, Saban's already said we're going to just get people healthy. We'll start worrying about LSU, you know, prepping for LSU, uh, you know, maybe come Thursday. Uh, we don't want to peek on them too early. So I, I, I look for it to be a really good game. I am still not convinced on Joe Burrow. Uh, and and I'll say this, I think that Auburn play – I don't think Auburn's offense is that good. And they – and and – Maybe their defense is. I don't. I don't know. But you know, they they played a tight game, uh, a real close game against LSU, and I just think, you know, LSU's LSU. But I think we're better than than Auburn, and I think we're more dynamic than Auburn. Now I'll give Auburn's defense some credit, but I like the ways our, ours is peaking. And so I, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict the good guys. I don't know if you have anything you want to add, or uh, but we can certainly come back and and do more of a pregame show. Well, I'm just going to say that, you know, obviously last year it was a, you know, Alabama was able to, you know, put up a 29 to nothing shutout at Tiger Stadium, which was awesome. Um, yeah. but, I, but I, but I will say, and, and it won't be that. Um, I will say though that, you know, I'm tired of hearing about Joe Burrow and I'm tired of hearing about his stats. Um, because yeah. I agree with you. Um, I do think they're overrated. Uh, last year's team pulled off an upset at Auburn, twenty-two to twenty-one. This year's team, if the defense is where the defense, you know, okay, I'll say it this way: they should be, uh, they should not have let Auburn score twenty points. They had an interception uh, on a fifty-fifty ball at like the five-yard line against the true freshman quarterback that went their way. I mean, this this could have been a different ball game. My point is, is that is that yep. this was. Um, I just don't think I don't I I'm not buying the hype. Okay, I'll say it that way. I, I'm not buying the hype uh, of of this team uh, of this team currently. Um, I just do not think that they are uh, as good as advertised. I don't think Joe Burrow has 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 had the pressure uh, of playing um, a team like Alabama. And and I just don't think that, you know, it's not going to be 29 to nothing, but I'll just tell you, you know, and we can still do a preview show. I think even with Mac Jones, you know, Alabama's going to win by double digits. I'm leaning that way. I really am. Um, I was thinking that Saturday night, and I don't know if that was the Clyde May talking or if that was just, you know, my thought on the game. And the more I think about it, the more I think it's it's my thought on the game. Um I like the fact that they are number one. I like the fact that their wide receiver can't keep his mouth shut. Um, I, I think that those types of things have historically bode well for Saban-led teams. And the fact that they're going to come in here 
on sort of a cloud nine and come into Tuscaloosa, I, I just think there's going to be a, a pressure of the stage that, and I know they've played Auburn and I know they've played Florida and I know they're going to equate that into preparedness for this stage. And I think there's an opportunity for them to realize, oh no, that's a different stage. Florida and Auburn, they're fine. But this in Bryant-Denny with these cats is a different is a different stage. And I think we're going to hear, you know, the crowd in a way that we haven't uh, heard for a day game like that before. And, um, yeah, I think uh, I think Alabama is going to be in a, in a good position. But I think we should come back and, 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 you know, talk through some things to watch. We absolutely will. But I will just say for the listeners – on their docket so far has been Georgia Southern, Northwestern State, Vandy, and Utah State. Those are some of their opponents, and they've had Florida and Auburn at home. So I just think the schedule has some holes in it that they're undefeated right now. I'll say it that way. Well, ours does too. Ours does too. But I, I think you know, to your point, they had those, they had those guys at home. Um, I think, I think it's going to be a different thing when they go into. Um, you know, a truly hostile territory. And this is a team in, in LSU. We can talk about rivals and who's Alabama's rival and, and stuff like that. That's fine. Of late, it's been LSU. It has been. Sure. And so the fact that they have their number one and all of that stuff, I just think Alabama's going to have a little something for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, I enjoyed it. Anything else? I don't think so. Why don't you take us out? All right, guys. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. 
Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.